is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go. Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. All right, we got a Thursday show for you on June 28th. Should be a fun one. We are talking about some of Heath's breakouts. This time, for realsies, we are going to talk about ACL injuries because, by the way, Dalvin Cook is one of Heath's breakouts. Uh, and We'll talk about the history of players coming back from ACL tears. And Dave is back from jury duty to give us a schedule analysis for fantasy purposes. Welcome back, juror number eight. Thank you very much, Your Honor. And uh, <laughs> what an experience I had. Yeah? Yeah. You want to hear about it? You can't talk about it. Oh, yes, I can. It's over. It's illegal. Can it's we, not illegal. Can we, hear, can we hear about it after we do the Twitter poll? Yeah, you can hear about it whenever you want. All right, let's start with a little fantasy football talk, and then we'll we'll get into the legal system a little bit, as I think Dave is uh, eyeing that Supreme Court seat, in my opinion. But uh, the question was, which of these three running backs has the most upside? Which has the most downside? So the three running backs were Devontae Freeman, LaShawn McCoy, and Jordan Howard. They are back-to-back-to-back in Heath Cummings' rankings. So Devontae Freeman, LaShawn McCoy, Jordan Howard. Who has the most upside, guys? First give me your answer, then tell me what you think the Twitter respondents said. I would assume the Twitter respondents said Devontae Freeman. I would say that it's difficult to not say Devontae Freeman since he's already had a season where he was the number one running back in fantasy. Yeah, but has he ever had a season better than LaShawn McCoy's best season? Because even that number one... That's a question. I honestly don't know. That number one running back season was like the worst season for running backs ever. Last season, Freeman was the worst of the three. Uh, okay, well, you're right, Heath. They did say. Good. That's th- all you really need. Can Devon- we just get that? Can you record that, please? <laughs> Devontae Freeman did have um, the most upside, according to Twitter followers. We had about... 1,600 people vote on that, 1,700 vote on that. Um, what's your answer, guys? Uh, who do you think is the most upside, Freeman, McCoy, or Howard? If things were better in Buffalo, McCoy is your winner, and it's not even close. But because I, I feel like the situation is really bad for pretty much everybody in Buffalo except kind of sort of Kelvin Benjamin, I, I, I can't say that he's got the most upside. I think it's still Freeman. I will say that it is Freeman in standard and McCoy in PPR. And I don't want to discount Jordan Howard, which is starting to happen a little bit. I think people oh, yeah. are getting scared of him. Top 15 finishes each of the last two years. Uh, top 10 finishes in standard each of the last two years, I should say. Top 15 in PPR. And he's he's going to get the ball. Like Chicago isn't going to get away from giving him carries. He is going to be their lead back. I don't think it's going to be a 50-50 split at all with uh, Tariq Cohen. I, I do think there will be some games where the Bears decide, you know what, it's probably better if we throw this week. We're running into a tough matchup. Um, they're playing at Green Bay week one. That might be perfect for that. But later on as the season uh, unfolds, you're going to see some huge games from Jordan Howard. I, I think Jordan Howard's going to be way underrated. And he's one of the reasons that I feel comfortable taking receivers with my first two picks. Okay. Because I'm okay with Jordan Howard in the third round being my number one running back. Can I ask you something yes. about that? Are you are you targeting two receivers with your first two picks no matter where your no, draft not at all. is? No, not at all. Like if you've got an early draft slot, you're still going to take one of those. In writing picks. up our um, pick-by-pick series, mm-hmm. which will be on the website next week, I believe, maybe even and they're, maybe even Friday. They are clutch, by the way. They are clutch. Like if you're picking sixth, it's detailed advice just for you. I think there were only three of the eight teams I drafted where I started receiver-receiver. Most of them were fairly balanced. There was even one team, Dave, where I took three running backs. I know that team because I played off it with my draft selections to try and hurt you a little bit. Cool. I did take one of my team. I went receiver receiver with one of my teams and I really liked how my team wound up. I think it works best after pick seven or eight. So question, question. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause you want to get right. Yeah. I get that. You want to get, you don't want to leave the stud running backs on the board. Uh, All right. Question is this, uh, are you okay with Jordan Howard? In round three, going receiver-receiver Jordan Howard in PPR. Because he's probably going to catch the fewest balls of of the three that we just talked about, Freeman, uh, McCoy, and Howard. 
that would have to be a situation where I had like the 11 or 12 pick, and I really think you can probably get Jordan Howard in the fourth in PPR. Okay. Are, are we assuming that Freeman and McCoy are off the board? Yeah, I would think so. So then I, beggars can't be choosers, right? It's round three. I need a running back. I've already taken but two wide receivers. But are you okay with it? Yeah, I'm okay with it. All right, so let's go to the next part of this poll. Who has the most downside? And by the way, the results were 48% Freeman has the most upside. 48% Freeman, 29% Howard, 23% LaShawn McCoy. So, uh, you know. Oh, I know how to answer this one. 2,100 people voted on this poll. Who has the most downside, Freeman, McCoy, or Howard? It's got to be McCoy. Obviously. See, I would vote Howard. I would vote Howard because McCoy was, McCoy was really like not that good last year, you know? He, he was a little disappointing. He was frustrating for owners. He was the number seven running back in fantasy. Yeah, he averaged over 12 fantasy points per game standard, or non-PPR. I just think that there's no chance that McCoy gets phased out of the offense. He is the offense. There is a chance that Howard gets phased out in the same way that, like, Devontae Freeman kind of got phased out last year, believe it or not, because about half his games he had less than 12 carries or 12 or fewer, which but was just But a lot of those games came after the concussion when they were easing him back in. No, I don't no, think that no. Was a, I don't uh, think that was a phasing out. Uh, I'll take a look, but I don't think so, Dave. I think it was somewhat evenly distributed. He either had 18 or more or 12 or less. It was the strangest thing. And I think anybody that drafts LaShawn McCoy will be pretty happy if him getting phased out results in a Devontae Freeman season from last year. By the way, uh, I'm sorry, say that again? If it's I, th- I think Howard. anybody that drafts LaShawn McCoy will be just fine if his downside is Devontae Freeman last year. Devontae Freeman was 18th in, sta- in uh, non-PPR and 14th in PPR, so I... In 14 games. Uh, yeah, and actually, to be quite honest, in 13 games, as he barely played against Dallas, he had two carries, then he left. So yeah, you're right. Um, but, but Freeman was also frustrating because when Devontae Freeman, in nine games with 12 or fewer carries, and it, it really wasn't concussion related, in nine games with 12 or fewer carries, he averaged 40 rushing yards per game, he scored one touchdown, one rushing touchdown, and he scored double digit fantasy points in non-PPR once, and that was week 17, one time in nine games. In five games with 18 or more carries, he averaged 93 rushing yards per game, scored six of his seven rushing touchdowns. So Devontae Freeman just needs the work, but Tevin Coleman's still there, and they didn't really give us a pattern last year. It was it was a guessing game. All right, so, so McCoy did win the poll. He has the most downside, according to the Twitter followers, 51% Sean McCoy. 37% Jordan Howard, 12% Devontae Freeman. And you guys agree? It's it's McCoy you think has the most downside? It's it, I try on these polls for downside to just assume that everybody's playing 16 games. Right. Every, but you, it's harder to do that with McCoy. But if we're assuming 16 games, I would say McCoy has the most downside in non-PPR. Howard has the most downside in PPR. Okay. I uh, I, I kind of fell for the, the bait. We're not supposed to... Factor in injury risk with these? Because if you factor in injury risk, it's LeStrom McCoy all the way. So, okay, all right. All but right, if you're listen. guaranteeing 16 games from Shady, I, maybe he does have a little more upside than Howard. Here's, here's why, right, here's the, here's my stance on the injury thing. I'm assuming they're healthy week one. Because this originally came up where it was maybe like Deshaun Watson or, or Dalvin Cook. Somebody who currently has an injury. So I think whenever I put a poll up, if you want to vote in it, you can follow us. I'm at Adam Azer, A-I-Z-E-R. Dave is at Dave Richard. Heath is at Heath Cummings Sr. at Heath Cummings SR. Jamie is at Jamie Eisenberg, J-A-M-E-Y. You can follow us if you vote on it. If you want to say that McCoy is injury prone and that's why he has the most downside, I get that. But just assume they're all going to be healthy for week one. I guess that's how I'd approach it going forward. All right, I've got a trivia question for you. Who were the top two running backs in rushing yards per game last year? Yards per game. Rushing yards per game. Who were the top two? Minimum how many games? Not telling you. Minimum uh, minimum, <laughs> minimum, two games. Minimum, minimum two Min- games. Sounds like a super useful. I will say Ezekiel Elliott. Okay. I, I'll tell you this. They're all going in the first three rounds. Or they're both going in the first three rounds. Ezekiel Elliott and Dalvin Cook. Dave, do you have a guess? No, not off the top of my head. I mean, I, Gurley makes a lot of sense. I know he had a lot of monster games. Kareem Hunt led the league in rushing. I'll say those two guys. 
You are wrong on both. Heath was right on both. Good job, Heath. That's three, three times Adam has said Heath is right already on this podcast. <laughs> this is the best podcast I've ever been a part of. Yeah, so Heath is, Heath is right, Heath is right, Heath is right, Heath is right. Now he will appear in a mirror near you. Uh, yes, I was surprised by that. Ezekiel Elliott won and Dalvin Cook too. I'm going to go ahead and assume that Ezekiel Elliott also led in carries per game because he just got a ton of work. And uh, we're going to talk about Dalvin Cook as a breakout, as part of the ACL Recovery Club. I also want you to, to get our newsletters. They'll come right into your email inbox. They are free. They are awesome. You can get all of the advice that you want and need from Dave, from Jamie, from Heath. Here's how you sign up. You go to cbssports.com slash daily. We actually have uh, several newsletters, so I believe it's cbssports.com slash newsletters. Maybe it's just newsletter. But cbsports.com slash daily is uh, how you can subscribe in less than a minute. You should watch CBS Sports HQ on the free CBS Sports app. Everything's free. Watch CBS Sports HQ. It's news, scores, highlights. It's old school sports coverage. Real sports fans, fantasy fans, you will love it. CBS Sports HQ. And our fantasy product has launched. You can sign up for your leagues now. Uh, this is really, guys, the best way, best place to play. I mean, we're all obviously biased, but we play all over the place and... Obviously, I prefer CBS, but I really think that you will too. We've made it really good for dynasty leagues. You can trade picks up to three years in advance. You can do your rookie drafts on CBSSports.com. And I think the thing that – um well, one thing I like is schedule flexibility. You can create an in-depth league schedule. You can play multiple games per period. Like I have a baseball league right now. We play two opponents every week. Uh, but one thing that I think the guys are really proud of on the product side, the in-app commissioner tools are much better. If you want to start playing on our website, please go to cbssports.com slash FFT. So I gave you two URLs, cbssports.com slash FFT daily for the newsletter, cbssports.com slash FFT just start playing some uh, some fantasy football. cbssports.com slash Dave's Jury Duty to learn more about that. Well, I don't know how much there is to learn. Um I like jury duty. I've done it once before. Actually sent a guy to prison as a foreman of a jury. It wasn't my decision. There were 11 other people, but we all agreed. So it was your decision. Yeah, it was. I was part of the decision. Heath is right. It was your decision. (laughs) This is becoming a too good of a podcast for Heath. I, I had to be there by 745. My name went into the jury pool. I sat in a room with 300 of my closest friends from Broward County. And four hours later, they dismissed us and said, you can go home. Oh, all right. So it wasn't much of a story then. I I think I think it's the best case scenario for jury duty. Yeah, where that's you, pretty nice. You go and you don't get called in to be part of a jury, and uh, they excuse you before lunchtime. And you don't get to send anyone to prison. Yeah, I feel I feel better about that. Good. Yeah. And I'm off the hook for a long time. So let's talk about schedules, Dave. Who's got Who's got the favorable fantasy schedules? So first of all, figuring out how uh, how this process works. I took every defense. I studied every defense. I graded every defense based on pass rush, pass coverage, and run defense. So three three critical factors for each team and gave them a grade. And, you know, the tough defenses like the Rams, the Vikings, um, they're obviously going to appear harder on team schedules than, say, the Colts, who I think have the worst defense in the league on paper right now. Plug that into the schedule and added a couple other quirks. Like if a team is playing on the road against another team that's coming off of a bye, teams playing on the road three weeks in a row, stuff like that. And basically it spit out what the overall grade was for a team's schedule. And long story short, I've got the Jaguars with the easiest schedule in the league, followed by the Patriots, the Texans, the Dolphins, and the Titans. Five worst schedules, five top schedules. Hold on, hold on. Let me repeat the good ones. Go ahead. Jacksonville, New England, Houston, Miami, and Tennessee. Jacksonville, New England, Houston, Miami, Tennessee. So I guess the AFC South and the AFC East there. Some good stuff. Uh, your top five schedules. Right. Now the bottom five schedules belong to Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Seattle, San Francisco, and Arizona. I also have a breakdown on which teams have the easiest schedules versus the run. And versus the pass. Okay, let me read the bottom five again. Five worst schedules. Kansas City has the worst. Pittsburgh, Seattle, San Francisco, Arizona. Kansas City, Pittsburgh, 
Seattle, San Francisco, Arizona. So, and Dave, this is all on the website, correct? It's all on the website, and I've broken down every team's schedule by division. So, all right. Well, that that makes me feel better about Dalvin, about Leonard Fournette. So now you're saying the Jaguars have the best schedule, the Chiefs and Steelers have the worst two schedules. So clearly, we're taking Fournette over Le'Veon Bell. Well, that's the thing <laughs> is I I don't think this is supposed to be the backbone of fantasy analysis. I'd like to think of this as a tiebreaker. When you're in not round one, but round three on, and you're debating between two players, especially if they're at the same position, you can go to this ranking and you could see, oh, well, uh, Sammy Watkins schedule against the pass is dead last. It's the toughest. And I'll just, I'll throw out, who would you debate him with? If you're in round six, give me a name, guys. Somebody that you would compete with Sammy Watkins. Chris Hogan. Round six. Chris Hogan. Chris Hogan. Chris, that's a great one. Chris Hogan has the fourth easiest schedule. So if you're, if you can't decide between Hogan's and Watkins, you can look at this and you know that Hogan's got the better schedule and you can draft Hogan based on that. Uh, can you, can you now seriously debate Leonard Fournette versus Kareem Hunt? You could based on this. Yeah. You, you look at the rundown of the Chiefs' schedule this year, and they're playing a first-place schedule. Their division's got much tougher defenses than what what uh, Jacksonville's got. So, and listen, a lot of it is weighted because I gave Indianapolis poor grades, and I don't think Tennessee's run defense is that great. Houston's defense is going to bounce back. So that's, that's two matchups that Jacksonville is going to have to deal with that's harder than it was in 2017. All right, check it out on the website on cbssports.com slash fantasy. Uh, I want to move on because today is sort of a mailbag slash voicemail episode. Fantasy football at cbsi.com. Fantasy football at cbsi.com. That is our email address. And uh, the voicemail, if you want to leave us a voicemail, 954-689-3199. 954-689-3199. Go ahead and leave us your name and city. You can give us a greeting if you'd like and uh, and a question. Preferably no keeper questions. If they are keeper questions, please keep them simple. Some news and notes. Andrew Luck remains pain-free as he increases his workload. That is good. Jameis Winston is officially suspended for three games. Uh, is Jameis Winston worth drafting in your opinions? No. I, I'm really uh, conflicted on this. Because I understand Dave's point of view. We've already had this discussion. My thing is, and I talked Jameis up a lot before this suspension in terms of his potential in fantasy football only. And I do think that he has top five potential when he returns from the suspension. He was fantastic on a per-game basis last year in the games that he played and finished. So I I guess it really comes more down to your league type. We get jaded a little bit here because in our drafts, it's really rare. Maybe two or three people draft two quarterbacks, and they fall and fall and fall, and we get Drew Brees in the ninth round and Ben Roethlisberger in the 10th or 11th round. That's probably not the reality for a majority of fantasy football leagues out there. Sure. And so in though in, in a majority of those leagues, I do think it's worth that roster spot to hold on to Jameis Winston for three weeks because it's not hard to find somebody to stream quarterbacks for three weeks. And when he comes back, I fully expect he's going to be a number one quarterback. Here's the problem. Not only do you have to find a replacement for the first three weeks of the season, you also have to find a replacement for week five because the Bucks are on by. And there's no guarantee that you're going to want to start Jameis by the time you get to week four. So put yourself in this situation, Heath. It's week four. The other quarterback you drafted with Winston is dominating, and you need help at another position. Sounds like a great problem to have. Uh, but you're cutting Jameis Winston. Like, he's going to be the the least valuable member of if your fantasy. If you draft team. Jameis Winston, you're drafting him in the 12th round, 13th round, or later, depending on how deep your draft is. There is a very good chance you're cutting whoever you drafted in the 12th or 13th round. I hope not. I hope I hit the lottery and I've got a starter with that pick. But I'm willing to take that chance with that pick on top five upside at quarterback. But I want to take a chance on someone who could impact my team sooner. That's understandable. And that's why I'm going to let you 
draft Jameis Winston. I appreciate that. And I'm going to wait for you to cut Jameis Winston. And by the time week five comes around, you probably won't have him on your team. And if I need a quarterback, I'm running to get him. Because the schedule for Tampa Bay. And I think that's is, kind of an argument for drafting him. Yeah, but then you gotta be patient. Everybody's running to get him. But then you gotta be patient. Or you've gotta win the fab battle. Well, that's the thing. I don't know that sure. everybody's gonna but be. But I don't know if that's gonna be, like, that expensive of a battle. Yeah, I, a lot of people are just gonna be set at quarterback and won't, and won't spend money. Heath is wrong. <laughs> uh, sorry, I had oh. to say it at least once. Um, yeah, a lot of people are gonna be set at quarterback. But no, we, Jamie and I talked about this uh, when we did the bonus podcast episode. You're not starting them in weeks one through three, obviously. Week four is at Chicago. Maybe that'll be a nice start. Week five is a bye. Week six is at Atlanta, and I personally think Atlanta's going to have a very good defense this year, so that doesn't really feel like a start to me. It might be that you're not wanting to start Jameis Winston until week seven against Cleveland, but we'll let the listeners decide if they want to draft Jameis. And the Chiefs are moving Sammy Watkins all over the field. They're going to use him a little bit differently than we've seen Watkins used in the past. Yeah, be pretty interesting to see what happens between uh, Watkins and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and everybody. Could he be one of those fantasy players who, and, and you know what, everyone's going to say that he can because everybody knows him to be like this. He's not consistent. He's going to be one of those fantasy players that you draft, you start most weeks as a number three receiver or a flex, and you just hope for the best. doesn't even matter who he's playing. And then there's there's going to be a week where he gives you 15 fantasy points, and then the next week he gives you three. But you start him just on on his upside. It's kind of like what you did with Brandon Cooks last year. When, once you run out of those consistent, reliable fantasy receivers, you gravitate toward the ones with high upside, yeah. almost regardless of their matchup. Right. I do have a funny note. Sammy has posted double digits in fantasy points in consecutive weeks five times in four years. <laughs> wow. Wow. That is... That is annoying. Best right. ball if I've ever heard it before. Sure, sure. Uh, you guys missed the stat I gave out on the previous show on Tuesday. Uh, there were, there were like six or seven quarterbacks who had a top, two top 12 pass catchers. So either two top 12 wide receivers or two top 12 or a top 12 receiver and a top 12 tight end and a running back who caught 50 or more passes and all of them finished top 13 uh, last year. That includes the Minnesota quarterbacks, their combined points. So it was uh, Russell Wilson. He didn't have the 50-plus catch, but he was number one with two top 12 pass catchers. Tom Brady, Alex Smith, Phillip Rivers, Matthew Stafford, and the Minnesota quarterbacks. It's a very, very good combination for fantasy. And so that's good for Mahomes and Eli Manning. And Eli Manning, yeah. That's kind of what we were discussing on uh, yesterday's show, or Tuesday's show. All right, so one thing uh, that kind of jumped out to me, the history of older players coming back from ACLs. And it really was about Julian Edelman. But one of Heath's breakouts is Dalvin Cook, and he's coming back from an ACL injury himself. So I looked at the last four years of data, courtesy of the ACL Recovery Club on Twitter, not a club I want to be in at any point, but um, kind of, you know, an interesting thing. Uh, so who came back from ACL injuries? How did they do? I, it's not that big of a sample size, but really it seems like the older guys struggled a little bit. Like Keenan Allen came back from an ACL injury last year. He got hurt in week one, and he was awesome. He was the number three wide receiver in fantasy. He did, however— Kind of take a little while to get going. His first nine games, he had 596 yards and one touchdown. His last seven games, he had 797 yards and five touchdowns. The year before that, we had two wide receivers coming back from August ACL injuries. Didn't even make it to the regular season. Kelvin Benjamin and Jordy Nelson. Uh Kelvin Benjamin, he was okay in 2016. He had 941 yards and seven touchdowns. Jordy Nelson ended up as the number two wide receiver in non-PPR and the number three wide receiver in PPR. You can, however, look at what Jordy Nelson did. And he tore his ACL in what would have been his age 30 season. And Edelman tore his ACL in what would have been his age 31 season. Jordy Nelson, his yards per catch was down uh, a lot, significantly, in fact. And his first six games, he was bad. He had He averaged 54 yards per game. Per game in his first six games, people were talking about dropping Jordy Nelson after that Thursday night game against the Bears, 
And then he turned it on his last 10 games. He averaged 94 yards per game, and he had nine touchdowns in those 10 games. But, you know, really it was like he just kind of got, I don't want to say lucky, but he really benefited from a lot of touchdowns. You guys can take a look at the notes I put together, but but really, like Vincent Jackson tore his ACL in 2016, played five games in 2017, and has disappeared. Jamal Charles tore his ACL. Then he tore his meniscus the next year, but after the ACL injury, we never saw a good Jamal Charles again. Um, Steven Ridley, same thing, but, you know, he didn't really get a ton of work. It's a little bit scary when older running backs and wide receivers tear their ACLs. Younger guys, not really a huge deal. Quarterbacks, not really a huge deal. Carson Palmer showed that. Joe Flacco actually showed that. Uh, so I wouldn't keep Tom worried Tom Brady too much. and Phillip Rivers showed that once yeah, upon a time. Yeah, that, that was a while ago. Yeah. Now, Wentz and, and, uh, and, and, uh, you know, the, Sean Watson, thank you. They're a little more, more, more mobile than those guys, but, uh, quarterbacks have come back well from it. But it's really given me a little bit of hesitation with Edelman. The only thing I'll say is he is back and practicing really early, and the other guys weren't. But he's not f- a full participant yet, correct? Uh, yeah. I believe that's correct. My other thing I would say about Julian Edelman is what does he thrive on? It's lateral agility. It's right. quickness in small spaces. Those are the type. I don't worry so much about somebody regaining their top speed after an AL, AL, ACL injury because that's not really a concern. But he has to be able to cut and accelerate in the ways that he has in the past. I was already out on Julian Edelman, so I, I, I'm probably biased in the first place, but I think you've given us some very conclusive evidence here. <laughs> Not quite sure about conclusive. All right, we got coming up a fun Twitter poll. We're going to put another first-round pick under a microscope. It will be Michael Thomas, and who's in a borderline first-round pick. And let's talk about Heat's breakouts, starting with Dalvin Cook. And uh, we do have a Dalvin Cook voicemail. I will play it, though, after uh, after you give your analysis of Dalvin Cook. Please give your analysis of Dalvin Cook. If Dalvin Cook was 100% healthy, didn't have the— any concern over the ACL injury, he would be my number one sophomore running back. Maybe number two behind Kareem Hunt. But I'd have him ahead of Leonard Fournette. I'd have him ahead of Christian McCaffrey. I'd have him ahead of Alvin Kamara. I, Alvin, Dalvin Cook looked amazing last year in his first three and a half games as a rookie. He's a complete running back. There's no concern about him having to come off the field for something. The Vikings offense should be extremely efficient with Kirk Cousins under center. We know he likes to target his running backs in the passing game. I think we could be looking at a 1,600-yard season with 10 touchdowns. Wow. Yep. I mean, (laughs) that's huge. I I don't know if I'm expecting that much, but I, I agree that I think he's got a chance to be very, very special. I remember the coaching staff, and it's most of the same coaching staff, still in Minnesota, just being enamored with Cook during training camp. Every day you'd read something about how they think he's special. They were using words that they don't normally use to talk about players when they talked about Dalvin Cook. And Mike Zimmer, like that's what tipped me off, is that Mike Zimmer typically is not very excited about players, and he was like a proud papa when it came to Dalvin Cook. And when he went down, it was defeating for Minnesota, but they still got by. He is in a spot where the Vikings defense is better. They should be able to be in a lot of situations where they're going to be at least balanced offensively, if not a little more run-centric, which does worry me a little bit about Kirk Cousins' upside. But it creates big potential for Dalvin Cook, who is, like he said, a do-it-all running back, good schedule in front of him and in front of the Vikings this year. It's just a matter of him staying healthy. Good offensive line. Yep. Uh, they, they changed offensive coordinators, but the guy they brought in is John DeFilippo, and I think he's going to be very, very good for them. And uh, I, I'm trying to get this guy in a lot of my drafts, and I end up not getting him. So let me play this voicemail. Here we go. 954-689-3199. No name, unfortunately, on this. So, Dave, give me a name. Paul. From? Brooklyn. All right. Paul from Brooklyn, what do you have to say? Hey, what's going on, Azer, little man? Quick question. It's a serious <laughs> one. Dalvin Cook or Leonard Fournette? I see Cook is having upside, but obviously the injury scared me. He hasn't proven it before. 
Uh, I think four nuts safer. Let me know. And P.S. That guy that was saying uh, McCaffrey, hilarious. You should put that on uh, on a loop. Talk to you later. Peace out. Yes, McCaffrey guy was very funny. I have more on that <laughs> later on in the show. But uh, the question was Cook or Fournette. What do you guys think? I'm still taking Fournette. And they, they, they both have similar situations where they're on teams with great defenses. I would say that Jacksonville's offense will probably, will probably be a little more cautious than Minnesota's. Minnesota, I think, will let it rip sometimes. Jacksonville, I don't know if they're going to let it rip at all. I think we get a little too in depth with that kind of stuff. I, I think we overthink it a little bit. You know, the good defense, salt in the clock, or salt in the game away, that kind of thing. As long as they're not getting blown out, they're going to be in perfect opportunities to run the football. In fact, you look at Dalvin Cook last year. He played four games. He got huge workloads in three of them. The one time he didn't was a 15-point loss at the Steelers. That game kind of got away from them. But they're going to be competitive in every game. They should be anyway. So, but I think that's part of the formula for a good fantasy running. Yeah, back. it's a great thing, but I don't I don't know. You start talking about well, they're going to be leading, they're going to be doing this. If any team is this is why I'm a little afraid of Fournette, Dave. I mean, if any team is going to be in blowouts on the wrong end of it, I really feel like the Jaguars could take a huge step. I'm going to be low on the Jaguars. A lot of people are going to be high on them. Their defense is going to be great. I think their offense could be total crap this year. Um so mm-hmm. that scares me a bit. And before this voicemail, I don't know. I guess I would have instinct instinctually taken uh, Fournette, but actually, no, I think I want Cook. I think I want Cook. I, I have Cook ranked higher in both formats, and I question just a little bit the safety of Leonard Fournette. He has a growing list of foot-slash-ankle injuries in his past. I, he's not somebody you should look at as bulletproof. Yeah. He's okay. also not coming off of a torn ACL, though. And, and just saying. And yeah, that's true. Right. Yes, yes. You could say he's safer than Cook. I just wouldn't say he's safe. I don't think he is. Like I, I'm not worried about Cook's ACL injury until they give me reason to be worried about it. You know, I. That's. Let me let me see if I can take a look at the running backs who tore their ACL. Like Danny Woodhead tore his ACL in 2016, and I think he was. I think he was fine in 2017. He was fine on that one drive, and then he got hurt in week one. But he was older. Giovanni Bernard tore his ACL. He played 10 games in 2016 at age 26, and he tore his ACL, and he was better in 2017. Uh, I mentioned Jamal Charles, but he was older, so, you know, he didn't have a very good follow-up. Um, Deion Lewis, in 2015, he tore his ACL. He played seven games, and then in 2016, he, was, he wasn't as good. His yards per catch, his yards per carry were down, but they weren't bad. There aren't that many... Examples that I had, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I like it, Heath. I'm all in. Dalvin Cook, you, Heath is right. Derek Henry is a breakout <laughs> for Heath. Dave Richard is resp- responsible for some of this breakout pick. Yes, I got a little bit scared when Dion Lewis was signed to his contract. And I still think Dion Lewis could be a good value in fantasy drafts, but I don't think this is a situation where Dion Lewis works his way into the DeMarco Murray role from last year, and Derrick Henry is just stuck in fourth-quarter pounder purgatory. I expect Derrick Henry is going to be the lead back on this team. He will share a little bit with Deion Lewis, but he's going to get an increase in workload. He's been very productive when he's gotten touches. I expect he's getting touches this year on a regular basis. When you Can you quantify that? And if you can't, I can. Would, what would you like for me to quantify? When, how how when, many touches? Yes. What what kind of touch? You want to know the the Jamie Eisenberg when he that's kind of what I'm X pointing you. That's the direction I'm I, pointing. I've you got there. it. Yeah. Would you like? I've me got to... it too. I just want to know if he had it. It's... I, I, no, I don't. Uh, that's not that's not my uh, my my go to. Would you like to know it? I, I would. Lo- those those always intrigue me. He has a 100 percent success rate of scoring a touchdown whenever he gets at least 14 carries in a game. Oh, that, that's actually I didn't have that. That's pretty cool, Derek Henry. Every time he gets 14 carries or more, he scored a touchdown. That's very cool. Um, in the postseason, we finally got to see him kind of get get cut loose. He had 23 carries, 156 yards, and a touchdown at Kansas City. He also had two catches for 35 yards. And then he did not do nearly as well at New England, 13, uh, 12 carries for 28 yards and three catches for 21 yards for Derrick Henry. Uh, does he feel like a guy, though, that is going to be much more valuable in non-PPR compared to PPR? Yes. 
because I think in a perfect world, Tennessee is going to use Deion Lewis in that third down roll. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd guess he catches 25 or 30 passes this year. All right, that's not to say that Derrick Henry can't do it because we have some evidence that he's a very good pass catcher. Yeah. The fear, if, if there's a fear, it's that they mix and match Henry and Lewis like the Falcons mix and match Freeman and Coleman. And you can't quite get a beat on who, uh, who gets used when and, and but that how much. still means 220 plus carries for Derrick Henry. Should, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, Heath, so then I'm just going to group the next four guys here. They're all pretty unproven, and I guess the question is, the situations are good, but are the players good? And by the way, there are more breakouts if you want to read. You can read Heath's column. I just picked six guys. Marlon Mack, Colts running back. San Francisco wide receiver, Marquise Goodwin. Cowboys wide receiver, Alan Hearns. And Baltimore tight end, rookie tight end, Hayden Hurst. So Marlon Mack, Marquise Goodwin, Alan Hearns, and Hayden Hurst. I really think the question is, are these guys good? What do you get? What do you think? Well, I think Marquise Goodwin is a good one, a good receiver. <laughs> he was phenomenal in those last five games with Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think he, he was terrible in Week 17. That was a weird situation. I'm not going to worry about that too much. But he is obviously one of the fastest players in the NFL, and what he did in the second half last year or really after Pierre Garçon went out, was he really showed that he was more than just a run by the other guy. He was running intermediate routes, and he was running them with success. He was getting a ton of targets from Jimmy Garoppolo. And there's already been some talk. I have a little bit of concern about just assuming that Pierre Garçon's going to come back at 32 years old and be as good as he was when he was 30. And there's already been some talk. Like I expected kind of to see some things about Man, Jimmy Garoppolo and Pierre Garcon are really bonding this summer. And it's been more quotes from Garcon. It's going to take some work. It's going to take some time to get that connection. He's already got that connection with Marquise Goodwin. I think there's a much better chance than ADP presents that Goodwin is the number one receiver for the 49ers this year. 43 targets, 29 catches, 384 yards. That's 13.2 yards per catch and a touchdown, 67.4% catch rate. For Goodwin from Garoppolo last year. Not bad. Very good. But he was, I, he was the only show in about... town. He was the only show in town. They got McKinnon now. They drafted a wide receiver in the second round. You got Pierre Garçon coming back from a neck injury. If it were an ACL right. injury, based on my research, I'd be very concerned. Uh, I'm not, so I'm does just he average it up. eight targets per game? That's, that seems like a lot. So yeah. how, how much is I that think, a I year? I think that's too much. So I'm, I'm not as optimistic as Heath is, but we're taking Marquise Goodwin in the double-digit rounds, are we not? I'll take him in the ninth. Yeah, that's almost double-digit. That's almost double-digit. And then Alan Hearns, like, I understand why you would question if he was good, but he, like, in 2015, he got 61% of his passes from Blake Bortles. <laughs> from Blake Bortles. What did he do the and, rest of his career, And though? averaged 16 yards per reception. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, you know, I love me some, some Miami Hurricanes, but I just don't know that Alan Hearns is, is Most any better than I, Dez. I, I don't think there's any question that he's the best receiver on the team. I, there are some people, and Dave may be one of them, that thinks Mike, Michael Gallup is the guy. Oh, there's definitely a question. I, I don't, Terrence Williams is not any good at all. I agree that Hearns is better than Terrence Williams, but we have no idea, we have no idea how good Michael Gallup's gonna be. You have to at least say there's a question that Gallup could be better. I don't have any Hearns. question that this year Alan Hearns will be their best receiver. I think I'm starting to feel Michael the same Gallup way. may be better than him three years from now, or maybe even next year. But I don't think as a rookie Michael Gallup's gonna come in and be better than Alan Hearns. You mentioned that Hearns had a 61% catch rate from Bortles in 2015. He had a 69.6% catch rate from Blake Bortles in 2017. Didn't play a full season. In fact, he hasn't played a full season since his rookie year in 2014. But when he's on the field, I think he's gonna end up being the go-to guy. And, and I think that the Cowboys are gonna line him up all over the place. Yeah, because and because they don't have any other go-to guy, Witten's gone, Dez is gone, everything's wide open. There's a chance he gets over 120 targets. I, I, I think good. this is a this is a good one. He Dez had 133 last year, and Jason Witten had uh, how many did he have? It's 87 targets. So that's 220 targets, 132 catches, 1400 yards, and 11 touchdowns. Again, 132, 1400 yards, and 11 touchdowns on 220 targets gone between Dez Bryant and Jason Witten. 
And so that's going to get split up amongst a lot of players. Yeah. I mean, Hearns is. Oh, maybe Hearns will get all of it. 220 <laughs> targets. On, a, on an unrelated note, but kind of related to those targets, I wonder if maybe we are underestimating Ezekiel Elliott and PPR just a little bit. I agree. I'm still, I'm still pretty aggressive on him in PPR, but I think he can pick up a lot of the slack. I think he's going to get more catches. I think Hearns is now a candidate to get 120 targets. That'll change if Michael Gallup looks great in training camp in the preseason. You know, we hear some glowing remarks about him or if somebody else steps up in Dallas that the tight ends are still going to play a pretty significant <laughs> role. They, they, they've got some guys that might be able to do something. I mean, Deontay Thompson was on the podcast That's or on true. the pick six podcast, right? Uh, yes, he was on the pick six podcast. Yes. Okay. So, but he, he a, even acknowledged, he even acknowledged that he's a, a deep ball, take the top off the defense kind of guy. Uh, alright, so Hearns is going 145th overall. He's going after Cameron Meredith. It, I'd much rather have Alan Hearns I, than Me too. Ah, okay. Uh, and then he's going ahead of Kenny Galladay and Paul Richardson. Yep. I'm cool with that. I've got him behind Jordy, Marquise Goodwin, Devin Funches. Alright, so, I don't, I would love to talk about the other guys, but I want to move on just so we can get to the voicemails and the emails. I have not done a good enough job of that. The other two are Marlon Mack and Hayden Hurst, and I will just say this, that each of the last two years in the Baltimore offense, a tight, he- a tight end has been either first or second in targets and first or second in catches. So Joe Flacco's been throwing to his tight ends. All righty, we got another Twitter poll. So this came up on the Fantasy Baseball Podcast today. A relief pitcher for the Diamondbacks named Archie Bradley, he's an excellent, excellent player. He admitted that before entering a game this year, he was using the bathroom and he pooped his pants. He pooped his <laughs> pants before and then he went, he cleaned himself up a little bit, but he went in the game with like, with poop, poop pants. I don't know. So we got into it obviously on the baseball podcast and, um, I put a Twitter poll up during the show and it says, Archie Bradley admitted to pooping his pants before going in a game this year. Have you pooped your pants since turning 20 years old? Since turning 20 years old, have you done that? So option A is yes, I pooped him. And option B is no, of course not. And it just keeps getting closer and closer. Because no was like two-thirds of the vote, which still was shockingly low to me. Like it should be 95% no. 44% of people that have nearly 1,700 votes – are saying that they have pooped their pants since turning 20 years old. I appreciate the honesty of your Twitter audience, Adam. And about 55% of your audience are liars. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Like, I 100% have not. This is disgusting. You're 20 years old. Maybe it's because I've never been drunk. I don't know. Well, it's not necessarily that. What if you just can't find a bathroom and you really, you know, the I will say a lot of the, the avalanche things- is coming. A lot of the things that could lead to pooping your pants, Adam does not participate in. I know it's a problem for some distance runners. Like burrito eating. Uh, golfers have that problem. You're just too far from the, from the, the bathroom. Uh, you can't make it in time. And drinking is a contributing factor, obviously. But I mean, I, I drink from time to time and I never have any problems with, with anything below the waist. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I can always find a bathroom. Dave is one of the 50, 56%. <laughs> Uh, also, I don't eat spicy food, so that helps, right? Yeah, that could yeah. be a factor. Well, laziness, like you're in the middle of a fantasy draft and you don't want to miss your you, pick. You don't play Fortnite, right? I don't play Fortnite. Fortnite could definitely, cause there's no pause. Right. Oh. So if you're uh, deep Fortnite, in a game of yeah. Fortnite, you're in, you're in deep doo-doo. Mm-hmm. Yep. So now that that's done with, uh, you sick, sick people, let's put a first round you're, pick. You brought it up. No, the sick people, sick, sick people who who said yes. I mean, and I like really. Is it more likely that someone clicked yes and they've not pooped their pants, or someone clicked no and they and actually they have and they just oh don't yeah, want to admit I'm it sure. it's over fifty. But it's anonymous. I mean, it's right anonymous. exactly. You might as well admit it if it's anonymous. One of my favorite wrestlers pooped his pants in the ring. Really? Oh, yeah. I uh, I think I've seen that. Okay, here's an email to get us into our first round pick that we're putting under the microscope. It's from Scott in Chicago. Dear Deuce. Pierre, Reggie, and Ricky. And when you heard, when I heard Deuce, I thought we were still talking <laughs> yeah, about the how about pole. that? Uh, those are Saints running backs. Why is Michael Thomas considered a slam dunk top tier wide receiver? 
I'm not even going to read the rest of this. Scott, come on. Why shouldn't he be considered a slam dunk top tier wide receiver? Guys, this is the first round pick we're putting under the microscope. What is not to like about Michael Thomas? I can't think of anything that's not to like. Other than Dave's got one. Go ahead, Dave. He got off to a slow start last year, and I don't know if he's necessarily one of the top 10 or 12 players in fantasy football. I'm thinking you can probably find at least a dozen other guys that you'd take before Thomas. I would say, if anything, Michael Thomas's fantasy production last year does not fully signify how good he was because he only scored five touchdowns. The year before, he had 121 targets, caught 92 of them, which is just absurd, and scored nine touchdowns. Last year, with more targets, more receptions, more yards, he only scored five times. If anything, I would expect a little bit of positive regression for Michael Thomas. Do you believe the Saints are still a pass-happy offense? As much as they were last year. Which but not as much as they much. were, say, two or three years ago. No, certainly not. But that Michael Thomas hasn't benefited from that. Well, so so Thomas had more targets last year than any player has ever had under Drew Brees in New Orleans. He is tied, in fact, with Jimmy Graham, who also had a 149-target year. But the fact that he only caught five touchdown passes was crazy, but the fact that Drew Brees only threw 23 touchdown passes was also crazy, which is why I think Drew Brees is going to be a really good value this year. I just think he was unlucky, and which is why I'm a little afraid of Kamara because the, just the touchdown rates for the running backs were so high. But, you know, Michael Thomas, I don't think he's getting, I don't think he's getting 149 targets again. Like, I just, it just seems unlikely. Like I said, I, it's the most, just, go ahead. Like the whole Michael Thomas had the most targets ever for a Drew Brees wide receiver kind of makes sense when you consider that Michael Thomas is the best receiver Drew Brees has ever had. Well, he might be, Ooh. but Marcus Colson was very, very good. Brandon Marcus Colson was no Michael Thomas. I, you might, I mean, yeah, I, you might have to hit the brakes a little bit there, but like, I would think you're probably right, but Michael Thomas yeah, is. I, I, I think you might be right. You think about, you think about how long Drew Brees has been playing, and then you think about all the receivers he's had. Brandon Cooks was there. I think Thomas is better than him. I think he's better than Colston too. I, I would agree. He, I would agree. Heath might be right again. He is a hundred percent. I'm going to change the title of this show to Heath is right. I love it. Yeah, oh, maybe I'll just put that the in. The heat is right, like the price is right. So, yeah, okay, maybe Come he performs down. more like a second-round pick. That's the concern here. And and I think he's going to be a particularly safe one. Like, you're just one of those picks that you're going to take and never take out of your starting lineup. And I love his schedule to begin the season. No tough matchups. Honestly, I don't think there's a tough one until maybe after their bye in week six. And, and with Mark Ingram on the shelf, Maybe they throw just a little bit more in those I first think four games. It, I think it's either they throw just a little bit more in those first four games or Terrence West has fantasy value oh. in the first four weeks. Because oh. Alvin Kamara is not getting oh. 25 carries a game. No. No. I, I'm enamored with Michael Thomas. I just I, – I don't know that he gets 149, but I think he gets 125 or more. And what did he have in his first year? 132 targets or something? Uh 122. And he was – he was 1,137 yards, 92 catches, nine touchdowns as a freaking rookie with Brandon Cooks. I just, I, I love Michael Thomas. I'm, I would love for him to be my number one pick. Uh, Michael Thomas or AJ Green? I'm going to take Green. I think he, I think he has a similar type of positive regression headed his way. Heath? I'll take Thomas and PPR. Michael Thomas or Keenan Allen? Format matters to me here. Why? Thomas caught 92 passes as a rookie, 104 last year. Yeah, I think Keenan Allen may lead. I'll take Thomas and Standard and Allen and PPR. I think there's a a decent chance if Keenan Allen plays 16 games, he leads receivers and catches this year. You know what? I've got him back to back with Allen on top in both formats. So I'm I'm taking my comment back. I'm I'm going to go with Keenan Allen. Okay. Let's read some emails. Fantasy football at cbsi.com. We also have uh, all right. So this is the original. McCaffrey voicemail. It was very strange. Uh, this is from like two weeks ago? Yeah. So let me see if I can pull this up. Uh, well, give me a moment. Let's read an email first. Dear Hank, PFT, and Big Cat. Everybody knows. Yeah. The Barstool dudes. Yeah. 
What do these players have in common? Julio, Gronk, Green, Kelsey, Lamar Miller, Fitzgerald, and Freeman. All were outscored by at least three kickers in my league last year. Three points for a field goal, four for a 40-yarder, five for a 50-yarder, etc. My league refuses to change to any version of PPR and doesn't sound like they have any desire to get rid of kickers. It's a six-player keeper league. Given all of this, should I change my draft strategy to get a more elite kicker? No. No. The The only strategy that you have with kickers is when to take one in relation to the remaining DSTs. Yeah, the one change in strategy I might suggest is you could take one in the next to last round instead of the last round. It really depends on when your last pick is and how long you got to wait for it and rather you and rather you uh settle for a DST or settle for a kicker. It's that term settling. And whichever position might be a little thinner on premier talent is the one that you'll take first. All right, I don't Odie. think I explained that well at all. Odie is in a, <laughs> is in a two quarterback league, ten team two quarterback league. He's uh, also in John Arbuckle's house. <laughs> uh, he has the seventh pick, ten team two quarterback. I'm guessing that Barkley, Aaron Rodgers, and DeAndre Hopkins will be there. Who do you take? I take Hopkins. Yeah, I do too. He says it's non PPR. Yeah, I think it's Hopkins too. He didn't say that, but I, well, which is it then? He didn't say either. But yeah, we're all on the team Hopkins. Rich from Central New Jersey. Hey, Leonardo, Michelangelo, Donatello, and Raphael. Do you think there is a chance that Ty Montgomery will be converted back to wide receiver? No. Okay. Packers already said as much. Tom in a major city on Lake Michigan. Uh, Evanston. Dear Demetrius. Demetrius Harris, Mike Reinfeldt, and Bob Bathurst. Uh, I think they're all from Wisconsin, University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. I had to Google this earlier. I want to get your opinion on roster limits in fantasy and if they change your approach to a draft. I'm in a 12-team, two-quarterback league. We start two skill positions each, um, but only one DST, one kicker, and flex. We can only roster, it looks like, one backup quarterback, one backup tight end. Four running backs, four wide receivers, but whatever. Should I avoid handcuffing and more boom-bust players due to their roster restraints? Is there one position I should look to fill my limit on before another? So he has to start two of every position, and he can only roster three quarterbacks, three tight ends, four running backs, and four wide receivers. I would avoid handcuffing. I would target... I would not avoid boom best players. I might be more likely to target them because if everybody can only have four running backs, there will be more running backs available on the waiver wire. Also, I think he was asking our opinion on roster limits and I hate them. Yeah, they're terrible. They're terrible. Yeah, Why would you constrict your, your owners and your league to something like this? So much so that I don't even like being forced to draft a kicker. If there's waivers before the season starts, you should not be forced to draft a kicker. But you're forced to roster one in week one. Right, which means yes. you got to cut somebody you draft. Yeah. Right, no, I agree. But if I you're like drafting in the middle of July, I want to go through camp with an extra lottery ticket on my team. Yeah, I like that. All right, let's go to the voicemails. Nine five four six eight nine three one nine nine. Here was the original McCaffrey email. Jesus, let me tell you a couple three things. You got some. <laughs> you got some. McCaffrey. McCaffrey. McCaffrey? We just had no idea what he was talking about. And then I think, I think this is a spoof of that. Hey Heisenberg. Hey Heisenberg. I got a couple, three things to tell you. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. Carry on Williamson? Carry on, uh, carry on Williamson? Carry on Williams? Carry on Johnson? Whoever the hell. Six rounds? You like that value? I don't like this value. I'm getting wide receivers. I'm getting wide receivers. You got some and you Asian. Let me tell you, my man. You're going to be hurting. If you keep drafting McCaffrey, what are you, are you kidding me? You got some McCaffrey? So, yeah, now we have a thing. We have a I don't think that was a parody. I think I, that was the I same think it guy. Was a, I don't. I think it was a different guy. Heath, same guy, different guy. Heath is probably right. Same guy. Sounds like the same guy to me. a different guy. And I agree. I don't think you should draft Carrion Williamson. <laughs> there you go. All right, let's uh, hear some more. 
this is from, well, he'll tell us in the voicemail. Hey, guys, this is Bradford from Chicago. Go Bears, go Cubs. Uh, love the show. Got a keeper question for you. I'm in a 12-person PPR league. I'm choosing between 8th round uh, for Marvin Jones Jr. or 11th round for Chris Hogan. And I was wanting to know what you thought. Who's the better value? Thanks, guys. Appreciate the show. Have a good one. Eighth round, Marvin Jones. Eleventh round, Chris Hogan. I'm taking Jones. I like the short-term track record and the likelihood that things aren't going to change and how Detroit's offense operates. Not that New England's offense is going to change much, but I I don't see Hogan as a big breakout candidate like a lot of other people do. Yeah, it's close. I definitely like Jones a lot more than I like Hogan. I'm not sure... I got three round difference, but it's so late it doesn't really matter. I'll say Jones, but I I could understand Hogan. Do you think if Eisenberg Eisenberg were here, he'd say Hogan? I don't get that. The call that we just got. Hey, the voicemail. Hey, Eisenberg? Heisenberg. Heisenberg. I got a couple three things. Turn on Heisenberg. He said, "Turn on Breaking Bad for once in your life." I thought he was saying Eisenberg. He was like saying James. Heisenberg. You putz. All right, this is our next one. I'm right in your putts. Total and drama. This is Evan calling from Portland, Oregon. Really enjoying the segments you guys are doing on first round draft picks. Got really pumped to hear you were going to do one on Melvin Gordon. A lot of people probably consider him a borderline first round pick, so I got really excited until I heard that segment. Pretty half ass attempt at it. Pretty much a whole (laughs) lot of hate about being under four yards per carry. I get that, but, uh, not a whole lot of content in there about his current situation. I think Hunter Henry being out of there can elevate it. Um, yeah, I think you guys need to do a little bit of a do-over on that one. like to hear that the first eight, nine weeks of the season uh, have some good matchups for him. Uh, Adam, your reply to that was, okay, and then you were ready to move on. Do me a solid. Let's hear a little bit more about Melvin Gordon. That that does sound like something I would say. I'm sure I was trying to move the show along. Okay, and then we moved on. That's your transition is okay. That's the only – yeah, isn't that a beautiful transition? That's the only thing I can say bad about Melvin Gordon is that he has not been good on a per-carry basis. But he's made up for it in every other way possible. Yeah, I like Melvin Gordon quite a bit. Yeah, I, I have no problem taking him as a first-rounder. I consider him a first-rounder. I'm glad we're getting a little bit more in-depth with him. But now I feel like I want to take Dalvin Cook over Melvin Gordon. Yeah, as much as I love Dalvin Cook, I'm not doing that. I think Gordon will catch more passes, though. I I will take Dalvin Cook over Melvin Gordon. PPR as well? I will take Melvin Gordon over Dalvin Cook in PPR. All right, two more voicemails. Beer, meat, cheese, beans, and Greek yogurt. This is Malcolm <laughs> from California calling. And I've been doing a lot of mock drafts lately and always ending up with Derek Henry or Amari Cooper in my flex spot. So I just want to get you guys' take on this year, wide receiver versus running back in the flex spot, either PPR or standard, and that specific scenario that I end up with. Would you rather have uh, Derek Henry or Amari Cooper this year as a flex? Thanks, guys. You're the best. Yeah, so, okay, I don't know how on earth Derrick Henry and Amari Cooper are your flexes, but just in general, who would you guys rather have? In PPR, Cooper. Yep. And in in standard, Henry. It's really that close. How about half PPR? I might lean toward Cooper in a half PPR. I think I probably would too, but it's it's almost a push. Yeah. Uh, But it is a good question about what to do with your flex, running back, receiver. And I think we, we answered it. The best way we could in case of other than really rare situations where you just maybe start your draft with three stud running backs, for example. That's that's the thing is like if you start with three running backs, then you're going to use one in your flex. What you need to make sure of. And and the draft I did that in, I I started with Le'Veon Bell, Devontae Freeman and Christian McCaffrey in a PPR draft. So McCaffrey is my flex. I think the way you need to look at it is, am I okay? visualizing this as Christian McCaffrey is my number one receiver mm-hmm. and my number two receiver is my flex. Yeah. Right. As, as more and more running backs start catching passes and a lot of passes, they become more attractive flex options in, in PPR. But yep. he, and that's a trend that's not going away across the league. Right. 
you're going to see a lot of it this year. Cool. The only thing is I would rather have a guy like – I would rather have a wide receiver who has more touchdown potential than someone like Chris Thompson, you know, who basically is only going to catch passes. Personally. Right, but Chris Thompson isn't a consideration in the first six rounds. Oh, I bet he is for some people in PPR. He was in our pick by pick. I think he went in the sixth round in a PPR draft. I would not. I agree with Dave that he's not one of my considerations either. Guys, have a great weekend, huh? Will you? You too, Adam. Thank you, great Adam. Show. This is my last podcast for a week. For a week, big deal. We'll be back. I'll see after you in that. two weeks, bud. All right. I'm going to be here all week next week, Adam. You just you keep bringing the heat is right. I'll keep me coming and you. To the we should book. Yo, know, we should get we should get Scott Fish on next week. Yes. Yeah, we should do that. We should get some guests on. All right, that is Heath is right. Dave is on the jury, and Adam Azer is uh, making it to the bathroom on time. Thank you for listening, everybody. Oh, <laughs> Have a great weekend. I'm not excited. You ended it with a, with talking about you going to the bathroom. Yeah. Well, it's, it's good what are you doing? Goodbye. Whoa. Goodbye. Uh.